baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And welcome back to Hardline here on WBEN. Brenda Alacy with you. Joe Beamer here as well. Corey Griswold running the board for us, doing a fine job, and we appreciate his efforts as well. Under these rather unique circumstances, we will be on the air till 1, and then Tom Bowerly will uh, carry you through the afternoon, 1 until 4, taking your calls and giving you the latest updates on the coronavirus. I think the takeaway for me with Governor Cuomo's uh, uh, latest press conference just moments ago was the fact that he's pleading for federal government, for the federal government to nationalize efforts to acquire medical supplies for the coronavirus. So, uh, and he also had some words of encouragement, even though he was chastising New Yorkers for being in the park and not maintaining the social distance and playing basketball. Obviously, you can't maintain social distance when you're playing. Uh, But his words of encouragement is uh, that life is not about avoiding challenges and that we'll get through this together and be stronger uh, when we emerge from this crisis. So time will tell, but we'll take your calls at 803-0930. We expect to hear from Jessica Pirro a little later in this hour. She is the CEO of Crisis Services, and her services are needed more than ever for many of us who are dealing with the emotional upheaval of this crisis. Uh, David has been listening in California and has been waiting for a long time. David, thank you so much for waiting and for your patience. Oh, no trouble. Uh, it's uh, it's Brenda, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I um, I was listening with interest. I had heard, uh, this is the first time I'd heard one of his, uh, uh, you know, daily uh, fireside chats uh, in, in total, and uh, he did pretty well. I, um, you know, how to spend an epidemic uh, was your original call, and in, in along those lines, I'm getting old projects done which is very good for me. And um, the, the, uh, the environment, I'm very much an environmentalist, and seeing that, uh, you know, the environment is slowly but surely uh, trying to re- regain its composure, you know, as, as the economy is used as, a, as an excuse to, to just chop down the rainforests, uh, and if if anything is going to stop the destruction of God's green earth, uh, I'm for that. And uh, not to say I'm for an epidemic, but I am for uh, you know putting a uh, putting a stop to just wanton destruction of of the environment for uh, the economy's sake. And along those lines, and this somewhat came up in Cuomo's uh, speech: slow and steady wins an epidemic. Right, you slowly but surely, uh, or just constantly, clean off the doorknobs, clean off the handrails, clean off the uh, the surfaces, keep wiping it down, and that's how epidemics have been stopped. You know, killing the rats, cleaning up the fleas. Uh, you you stop an epide- epidemic uh, slowly but surely. Well, it's assuming that people comply with the uh, strong recommendations that uh, medical people are telling us to do, the social distancing, the cleaning. I think that's what's so frustrating about it, David, that some people are taking a pretty cavalier attitude uh, towards this and not taking it seriously enough. 
Oh, I understand that, but it, what, what I'm leading up to is is that when the stock market started crashing, they, the business community started demanding that we start hustling around again, but the, the best way to st- uh, stop an epidemic is slow and steady and, you know, stay quiet, stay calm, and but the business community with these crashes is demanding that we go out and, and continue to do hucksterism and, and uh, you know, commercial uh, interaction. So th- we actually have to stop the economy for some period of time for the epidemic to die back. And uh, that's the one thing that concerns me the most. You know, if you look at, there's an old famous law of Jubilee, uh, where uh, Moses came up with this law where if something is an act of God, then you you can ignore the money while the uh, the drought or the plague or the blight or the flood is happening. Uh, don't worry about the money. Deal with the, the disaster, the act of God. And uh, so we need to make sure that the economy uh, is not kept at the forefront, that what we need to do is make sure that the epidemic is uh, is abated. So I'm I'm more concerned with uh, not getting into the commercial despair and uh, making sure that we're doing the slow and steady. Tough to survive, though. That's the that's the rub, I guess. What part of California are you in, David? And what are you seeing there? Well, I'm in the international city of San Francisco, and it is very quiet. It's uh, I was at. Uh, uh, first in the Howard uh, the other day at rush hour, and that's normally one of the most congested uh, intersections down here, which is one of the ramps to the highway. It's a ghost town, and uh, so it's it's you know it's very good that uh, you know we're living up to it. I've been in uh, some of the grocery stores and in Costco and some of the other places. People are not rushing around. They're not doing the panic buying. Uh, they're they're keeping their wits about them. So I, I'm pretty proud of this city. Uh, it's uh, the the only bad thing is is that the homeless problem is as bad as you can imagine. The hundreds and hundreds of tents out on the street, and uh, you know we've got a kind of a foggy day today. It's going to be cold and clammy for for a lot of homeless people. And- All right, David. Thank you for the call. That was David in California. Taking your calls at 803-0930. You know, the governor also mentioned uh, emotional, uh, you know, people who, let's be honest, it's not easy to stay positive through all of this. And it's very important to not only check on your friends and family, uh, but, you know, if you see someone on social media who just seems to keep on posting that they're down, that they're not feeling well, reach out to them. Yes, we can't have the face-to-face interaction, uh, but a phone call, FaceTime, some kind of reaching out um, to to connect with people because there are going to be some people who are going to find it very difficult to get through this emotionally, as the governor mentioned. I thought that was some very good advice. I thought so, too, Joe. We can't lose sight of that. And we want to keep our phone lines open for you to continue to uh, vent to us and share information. And let's see, we will go next to Jim in North Tonawanda. Jim, thank you so much for holding. Yeah, guys, uh, I got to tell you, that if they, that drug that they're going to start Tuesday, if that works, that's a game changer. That is going to be a game changer. 
Now, the governor said that there's a theory. They, they're not sure right now that the transmission rate in Africa it has the Africa has the lowest transmission rate in the world. Therefore, there some of the doctors think that it's because they take that drug to prevent them from getting the malaria. So if that's true and this drug works, do you guys think about this? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say two weeks from Tuesday, and another two weeks starting, we'll start measuring the time on Tuesday that. We've turned the corner with this thing. If this drug, now, Laura Ingram said on Fox News there was one case. They did a test group of all 40 people, and all 40 people, she said, recovered. There was one guy, his or her doctor said, his, the doctor said that they were, the guy had like one foot in the grave. He was like very close to death. And they put him on this drug, and it, it took six days, but six days later, he was completely recovered, and the doctor said it was almost like Lazarus rising from the dead. Well, I'm sure they're working very diligently to get this off the ground, uh, Jim. Obviously, you know, they have to jump through a lot of hoops to get it approved, um, but you're right. It does give you some hope for uh, a quicker cure, some sort of vaccine. I hope that that does come to fruition. How are you coping with all of this? Well, I can't see my kids right now. Like, they're having a little birthday party, but I can't go to it because I, I don't want to take a chance. Oh, that's good advice. I know it's difficult emotionally, but I think you're doing the right thing, and uh, we definitely need to keep that social distancing. Yeah, hey. you know, I mean, but I just talked to the grandmother just before I talked to you guys. I said, tell the kids I love them, and when this ends, everything's going to be like it was, and we're going to be going out and having fun, and doing all the fun stuff the kids want to do, you know. It, yeah, it's, it's good to offer hope like that, Jim. I like the way you think. Thank you so much for calling in, as always. Jim, thanks for the call, man. 803-0930. We'll be taking your calls. Like Brenda said, we're here for you. You want to vent. Uh, Brenda and I try to keep it positive, but, you know, it, it, there are people out there. I mean, it's just it's a very difficult time, and they're hearing weeks and months that this might be going on. So I understand you're frustrated. Keep it clean, but we always provide a line for you. It's always important to have a place where you can call and just talk it out. 803-0930. Let's take a quick break here, and then we're back online with our guest here on WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline on this Sunday afternoon. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy with you. Tom Bowerly coming up at the top of the hour, and he'll take you right through till 4 o'clock. And we are uh, joined by Jessica Pirro right now. Jessica is the CEO of Crisis Services. It's a 24-7 mental health uh, telephone service, and also an addiction hotline is available through Crisis Services. And Jessica, uh, welcome, and thank you so much for taking some time this Sunday afternoon. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. Jessica, for folks who may be going through a tough emotional time, and frankly, who isn't with uh, everything that's happening minute by minute, what can your agency do to help people get through this crisis? We want our community to know that Crisis Services is there to be that lifeline right now to talk about how you're feeling, uh, maybe to help do some planning. I think right now some of the challenges is that we're in overload of kind of our anxiety 
understanding what we can and can't do, uh, what's happening with work and childcare and school and all these things have, there's just been so much going on this past week. And so sometimes to plan it out gets a little overwhelming. So our team can be there. Our hotline counselors are there 24 seven, um, to provide supportive counseling, also information of what are resources that might be available in the community that you could also tap into at this time. Um, the hotline number is 834-3131, and we also have a specialized addiction hotline, which during this time I think is something we have to think about for our um, addicted community is how they're going to be managing through this, and their, that hotline is 831-7007. Let me repeat those numbers, uh, folks, if you want to grab a pen and a piece of paper. If uh, you're struggling with different emotions, need to talk to somebody, 24-7 Crisis Services is here, 834-3131. And for the addiction hotline, 831-7007. Jessica, how difficult is it for you as CEO to continue to staff uh, Crisis Services? Because it's not as if you have uh, eight hours that you can take off at night. This is 24-7. How is that working for you from a staffing standpoint? So far, we've been okay, but I mean, this is something that we're all experiencing along with our community and trying to also manage the health and well-being of our team, um, as well as their balance of being able to help others. So right now, our staffing pattern has been okay, um, but not knowing the longevity of where we're going, um, also just the reality of um, any employee potentially being ill or sick or, you know, obviously we're really being conscious of, of respite time here and time off from doing some work when needed. Um, we are really evaluating how we're going to do that from a staffing model perspective. We implemented some remote workers last week, and we're going to be monitoring that even further this week um, to balance that. But um, this is something that, you know, as a essential service, as a first crisis first responders, you know, is on my <laughs> top priority and working pretty much regularly throughout the weekend with thoughts and ideas and then also with my team this upcoming week to make sure that we're meeting the promise to the community under our mission, but also assuring the well-being and care of our team. So we can't change the situation even though we want to. What do you tell people who feel overwhelmed by this? What are those signs of anxiety that we uh, we should look out for and how can we try to alleviate that? You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about this because it's, it, it is so many different emotions that everybody is feeling. And I think it's just needing to force yourself to just take a breath kind of think about what's the immediate priority for you right now and not try to tackle everything at once. I think that's what's a little bit overwhelming for everybody right now um, is, you know, we don't know the future. Uh, We only know what's in front of us today. So it's really thinking about what are the things that you need to address? If it's within your family, with your children, your elderly parents, like maybe putting everything down on a piece of paper and then taking taking them one at a time. Um, It's hard to do all of this Uh, figuring out and reassessing how we're going to live our lives for this period of time at once. And so I think that that might be helpful to help release the anxiety. I'm not saying the anxiety will go away because, you know, this is something that is serious um, and is really impacting our our country. And we need to be uh, really aware of the, the seriousness of the actions we need to take to protect ourselves and to protect our community right now. But I, I do think that it is important to, you know, really take pause, breathe, 
Um, think about what's the priority to tackle today, what can wait till tomorrow, um, and then take it one, you know, one step at a time. Let me ask you, so say, you know, obviously we're social distancing, uh, but you have a friend or a family member that you've been talking to, texting, maybe even FaceTiming, and you've noticed that their attitude has gotten worse and worse. And, you know, you worry. I mean, they seem that they're getting more and more depressed. Maybe they just lost their job. What can I do as a family member to help them out? I think from uh, as family members and friends is this just to keep the checking in. Uh, this is going to be very difficult. We are very concerned about, you know, the mental health of our community. Um, but it's to keep... Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Checking in to let them know you're there to do the regular check-ins throughout the day. You know, so maybe if you were, you know, talking to them every couple of days, maybe moving towards every other day or every day. It might be twice a day. I think it's really based on what you're seeing with your loved one, maybe knowing their patterns of behavior that, you know, they might need a few days to just kind of work through this themselves and then they'll feel better. Um, it's hard. You know, we all have gone through challenging times before. And so I think we have to think about what worked well for us then and how do we use those skills that we've built on before to help us feel better. But I think what's important, and it's a great question that you're bringing up, that as a family member or friend, if you're noticing, um, you know, serious concerns about a loved one, um, somebody very depressed, um, the other factors that we really have to start thinking about is, um, you know, anybody's individual thoughts of, you know, harm to themselves. So are they thinking of suicide? Is suicide even starting to become part of their dialogue with you? That's a call to crisis services, friends, family, um, you know, colleagues, loved ones can call into crisis services and say, you know, my sister is, you know, not doing well. This is what's going on. This is what we're seeing. These are the behaviors we're seeing, the comments they're making. And then we'll evaluate what the best next step is with you either over the hotline. But if there's a serious emergency that needs to be addressed for somebody's safety, our mobile outreach team is, is still responding to the community as an essential service. Obviously, we're protecting ourselves through screening around COVID-19. But we will be able to provide immediate support for somebody who is threatening harm to themselves or others or is in a serious mental health crisis. Jessica, you uh, run a 24-hour comprehensive crisis center. You're a community resource, but it takes money and you're a not-for-profit. If somebody wanted to donate, I noticed that there is a, a page on Facebook um, where you can help crisis services. There's a post benefiting your agency. How does somebody help your agency continue to remain viable and help so many people in the community? Yeah, we are a private nonprofit. So our budget is through various contracts and a lot of fundraising and investment from the community. So to really to donate, um, you can go either through any of our social media platforms like Facebook, but you could also go right to our website, which is crisisservices.org which also will have some information and support for you about mental health, uh, dealing with trauma, 
Um, also for the other services we, we provide for victims of domestic and sexual violence. There's a lot of resources on our website that could be helpful right now to read through. Um, but our website, crisisservices.org, you go to the homepage, there's a donate button. You click on there and you can, you can donate that way. You could also, um, our address is on the website if you're, if you're interested in sending in a donation as well. Um, but we do, you know, encourage the community at this time um, to consider investing in our mission and the missions of first responders um, because of the longevity of where this is going and how long this is going to be. Um, you know, we don't we didn't necessarily have a, you know, a budget line for this. And, and, and we know that we're going to have to keep going and keep responding. So to keep everybody's mental health um, supported, um, investing in our mission right now could, is really appreciated. And you can go to crisisservices.org. You know, we talk about our physical health, especially in light of the coronavirus, but we can't emphasize enough how important it is to try to keep our mental health uh, on an even keel as well. Yes. And, you know, I've been, you know, I've been personally reflecting on this, you know, trying to balance is I'm leading this organization right now and kind of helping my family and friends. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's really interesting right now with this experience is in the way I've been framing it for myself to try to get my head around this is it's really a, an invisible threat to a lot of people. It's a threat. We're talking about it, but we're not seeing the physical impacts right now, especially if you're not sick or you don't have somebody that's sick. You know, for Buffalonians, we're used to threats like weather, right? You see the snow, you see the six feet out there, you know you need to stay home, you know you need to do what's being asked of you. And I think the fact that this is invisible in a way to people, even though they're hearing about it and they're seeing the news, but because it's not physically impacting us right yet, I think that's what people's minds have to shift to say that I need to protect myself and my family, which is also going to protect my community. And I think that that's something that will help us as we're looking at our mental health and adjusting to all of this to realize that this is this is such an important piece for our livelihood right now to really take care of each other, to let people know how you're feeling, to talk about how you're feeling, um, and to use the services that are there for this community um, so that we can come out stronger on the other side. Well said. Jessica Puro, CEO of Crisis Services. You could reach them at 834-3131. Stay well. Thanks so much for your time, Jessica. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy with you. Extended Hardline till 1 o'clock. Starting at 1, Tom Bowerly will be here till 4 o'clock. He will have Jody LeMayo to kick the show off at 1.05. So make sure you are tuned in for that. And that'll be very interesting to hear from uh, the, the chief of Kaleida Health and see what uh, Jody LaMeo has to say. Uh, the governor and New York State is mandating more hospital beds in New York State, Joe. So that should be something that uh, certainly Jody LaMeo will have an opinion on. And we'll talk about the logistics of trying to get that done, I'm sure. And we're getting word uh, there is no coronavirus bill passed yet. Mitch McConnell was just giving a press conference but I guess sides are close, so uh, we'll see what happens. They are working on a Sunday uh, during what I think is supposed to be their recess. So expect word of that possibly later today. Also, 3 o'clock, Erie County Executive Mark Pullencars and the Erie County Department of Health press conference, 3 o'clock this afternoon, also live on WBEN. And we are live till 1 o'clock, and then we'll uh, pass the uh, sanitized baton over to Tom Bowerly, uh, 803-0930. We have some callers who have been waiting, and we'll go to uh, Hamburg for our next conversation with Janet. Hey, Janet, how are you? 
Hello, Janet. Are you with us? Yes. Yes. Welcome to the show, and thank you for holding on. Well, thank you. Um, my son is a trucker in an essential work area, so he's not eligible for layoff. However, he has asthma and COPD, so he's in a high-risk category. Um, I have not heard this problem addressed at all. Is his job in jeopardy if he takes time off? What about his health coverage? Uh, Very valid questions. Uh, Certainly something that your son should ask the Human Resources Department at his uh, company about. I'm sure that they're all kind of scrambling and trying to figure out what to do. But uh, yeah, they would be... uh, it would be my advice, Janet, is have him speak to the folks in the Human Resources Department at his trucking company. Well, it's a small company. I'm not even sure they have a human resource person. Well, whoever is in charge, I guess, that would be the one to talk to. But, yeah, I, I would be concerned, especially with those underlying uh, chronic conditions. Uh, and certainly I'd want to know what my status was if I were in his shoes as well. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I hope that helped a little bit at least. Uh, there's so many unknowns, Joe, and I think that's why the the anxiety is spiking because we're dealing with, as Jessica said, an unseen predator basically with well, this virus and then all the different things that affect our lives day to day. That's the thing. We, we The frustration, and like you said, I mean, this is all stemming from we don't know when this is going to be over. We talked about this last week, uh, May June. I mean, we're seeing events in June canceled and it's got people understandably on edge because you don't know how long this is going to last. And, you know, right now it seems kind of like a snowstorm, right? Uh, Certain things are closed. We're kind of stuck at home. Uh, But a snowstorm, that's going to pass, right? If a snowstorm happens on Tuesday, we live in western New York. You know, by Thursday, you'll be able to get up and move for the most part. Um, be in flip-flops by then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for this, it, it, it's got a lot of people, you know, questioning. And again, so many people are either on the edge of losing their job, have lost their job. I mean, and they're going through a very difficult time. And what doesn't make it easier is they don't know when this difficult time will pass. They don't know when they can get their job back, if they'll get their job back, when they can start looking for work again. I mean, or how they'll pay their bills. Exactly. I mean, there are so many more questions than answers right now. And again, I don't blame the government for that. I think local, uh, state, and federal have been doing a great job. I really do. I, I think Governor Cuomo has been very blunt, uh, but he's been honest. The, the president, the governor, and the county executive, they put the facts out there. They are not hiding anything from us, and I'm very happy for that. But with something like this, it, it, you've got to let it play its course, and it leaves way too many questions. Well, as the governor said, he's known for his bluntness, and I guess you know we need that now more than ever because there are certain people who are still not taking this seriously enough. So I was happy to have the, the governor speak so candidly and bluntly uh, to everybody in his briefing. I, thought, I think County Executive Mark Polenkars is doing a great job. Uh, Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown, just getting the word out, keeping the lines yeah. of communication open. And but, I have to say, did you see what they did uh, in the city at Delaware Park? Because that? as you see in L.A., as you see in New York, and as the governor said, people are going to play basketball. It's a great workout. Um, they took the baskets off of the uh, backboard. Oh, I did not see that. Because people were still, as the governor said, playing basketball. Good. It was, the sun's out. It's 
kind of nice outside for a spring day in Buffalo. I'd love to go play some basketball. But again, it's very easy, as we've seen with the numbers in the NBA, to pass this virus on. It is so much more contagious than anything we've we've known. I mean, this thing lives on surfaces. It lives in the air. It is, and I think that's the scary part of it. And again, we don't want to panic. We don't want hysteria. Uh, but that's why there are so many questions, because this is such a contagious virus. One of the things I've been seeing on social media and on our text board here is people have concerns about being at the grocery store and whether those uh, the bags that we have to carry with us now are carriers. So are you wiping down your groceries when you get them home? Do you sanitize those bags? Somebody was writing in to say that that could be a, a good thing to do as well. Let's go to Craig in Depew, who's been holding as well. Hello, Craig. Welcome. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Doing well, Greg. Uh, good. I just uh, I just wanted to expound on what a previous caller said about 20 minutes or so ago uh, with respect to the uh, potential for a treatment out there. Uh the two drugs were, in particular, hydroxychloroquine and in combination with a um, antibiotic, azithromycin, is showing some uh, positive effects. Uh, there was a uh, French clinical uh, infectious disease specialist who uh, just released something recently within the last month or so, a Dr. Didier Raoul, I believe his name was, and he used uh, both drugs to treat COVID-19 uh, patients, and uh, he reported it did have positive effects. The, the caveat here is was a small sample size. I think it was 36 people. I think, uh, well, I know the president referenced it a few days ago, and as you can imagine, members of the media pushed back pretty hard against that. Uh, it's, you know, obviously it's not been approved by the FDA yet. However, as the previous caller said, uh, I think Governor Cuomo is going to start uh, using it for the patients uh, starting on Tuesday. And the caller did reference to uh, Laura Ingram, and I happened to see uh, that segment, and she had a uh, couple of nights in a row, she had a Dr. William Grace on from a Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. And I believe he said they're already using it with patients there. So, you know, I just called in to uh, offer some hope. We're inundated with bad news. And I, I'd have one recommendation too, Pretty nice day outside. My wife and my son are going to go take a walk. We've got, uh, we're fortunate, we've got some uh, uh, equipment downstairs for uh, exercise, some weight training equipment. So we've been doing that. Um, Every little bit helps, doesn't it, Craig, just to move around a little? Absolutely. you got to get outside a little bit. Now, of course, we heard about the warnings about, you know, the, the guys playing basketball and in tight quarters with one another that's a obviously that's a no-no um but you know just one last word of advice i, I don't think people should be watching the news 24 7 because oh my gosh you got i think you really have to give yourself a break from all the bad news that's out there yes you know that is important you've got to keep yourself updated and we will do that here at wben uh, but you've got you've got to do something to take your mind off it because if you are stressing on this and believe me I'm guilty. You know, I said this week I probably didn't eat the best diet. I didn't do much of working out. I was glued to the coverage, glued to my Twitter, glued to BEN, uh, glued to numerous media TV outlets. Uh, it'll drive you, it, it will drive you 
to that panic mode. You've got to keep yourself informed. You've got to get the facts. But yes, you're right. You've got to back away. Find something to stream on Netflix. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Do something so it's not all you're focusing on 24-7. Check in with a, a neighbor just to make sure everybody has enough food or just a little company, even if you speak through the screen door, which is what I did yesterday. And it really brightened my neighbor's mood, and it brightened my mood, too. And, Craig, I, I like that you said that we, we need some hope, and you're absolutely right about that. But those are those are really practical, rational ways to um, change the scenery, whether you're walking outside or you know running downstairs to jump on a treadmill. If you don't have any equipment, sometimes just running up and down steps in your house is a good little workout or using some soup cans to lift weights. Any of that, you know, we can improvise. We're we're smart. We're Americans. Well, we're very resourceful people, so uh, we'll make it work. And I do appreciate your comments and and questions. Did you have anything else to add? Well, just that uh, the, the governor spoke uh, a little while ago, and he mentioned this is our generation's challenge, and we got to step up. I agree. Very yeah. true. We talk about the the greatest generation, Joe, the World War II generation. Uh, there's. This is unlike anything we've ever seen. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like when we come out the other side of this. It's, you know, and that's another thing I've been thinking about, Brenda. What's it going to be like when stores reopen, when life reopens, if I may say it that way? Um, Because are we going to just go back to the way we were? Or are we going to remember wash your hands? Are we going to still practice somewhat social distancing? I'm not saying we have to be six feet apart uh, once this thing passes, but are we going to maybe have a better understanding of personal space? I mean, are we going to be more, you know, I disinfect in my work area every day now. Is that something I'm going to do once this passes? I think in the very short term, once it passes, I probably still will practice these things. Uh, yeah, but- I think people who have OCD tendencies will really uh, ramp that up. And even those of us who don't necessarily have that will tend to have a little bit of an OCD tendency now. But a, a year from now, are we back to the, you know, I, I read a very interesting article about what do we look like a year from now? And it said, you know, this might instill long term. Look at the gym. Machines might be more spread apart. Look at the way you shop. Maybe they keep those little dots on the floor for social distancing so you don't have someone right on top of you in line. Uh, uh, Those kind of things, that would actually be pretty nice, right? Personal space not being avoided. Um, Hygiene, which who would have thought we would need to preach hygiene? Washing your hands. Um, even not here, touching your face. Not touching your face, which I said last week, I, I can't believe when you start focusing on it, how many times I was biting my nails, you know, uh, playing with my hair. Uh, but are we going to like shared workspaces like we have here at the station? A year from now, are people still going to, before and after their shift, wipe it down? Are people at the gym, when the gym reopens, going to remember before and after their workout to wipe down their machines. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if this continues once life gets back to the normal that we know as normal. And it can't come soon enough. Uh, a couple of people have been texting in about the plastic bags, too. Uh, somebody said the Walmart and the Fredonia-Dunkirk area returned to plastic bags. Don't know if this is Chautauqua County only or what. Somebody else wrote in, uh, why can't Wagmans and Tops go back to single-use plastic bags for now? So that seems to be a a hot point, Joe, that people are concerned about the bags when they're shopping. And, uh, yeah, how could you not be? I mean, that's something that we're touching and dealing with. And and 
as much as I respect and appreciate the folks who are working as clerks and cashiers, you don't know what's on their hands, what kind of germs and, right. and what they might be carrying and how often they're washing and, and sanitizing their hands. So, yeah, that worries me a little bit, too. And, and also, you know, if you're going to the store, most of us now know what we need, what we need to stock up on to get a week to two weeks in the house. Could you not touch everything on the shelf? Look at it. Okay, I want this. Once you decide that's what you want, take those, put it in your cart. Please do not fumble through the boxes, touch every can because you think something uh, better is in the back. Look what you want, find it, and then take it. Please. It, the number of times yesterday I saw people just you know, touching everything and then going, oh, I don't need these 10 things. I'm going to put them back on the shelf. That would freak me out on a regular day. But during all of this, just be courteous. It was right? funny. It's interesting that you say that because I found myself reaching for things in the back of the shelf when I was at the store yesterday. Instead of taking the thing that's, you know, right at the front that you're usually facing, I was reaching for the back. And it's like, yeah, these are little things that make me feel a little bit better about being out in the public. Right, exactly. I mean, make sure, you know, when you get the produce to wash it when you get home. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, especially during this hot water, wash anything that's been sitting out uh, before you eat it, before you cook it. That's just common practice. You know, Joe, the other thing that struck me, too, is that we have a whole new vocabulary. Uh, These are words and phrases that we had never heard maybe even a month ago. But PPE, you know, personal protection equipment, that's a new one. Uh, Flatten the curve. Social, dis, uh, social distancing, community spread, all of these things that we had never really talked about. And all of a sudden, they're now part of our vernacular. Uh, people know what they mean. People are using those terms. Uh, are you seeing people, when I was at Tops yesterday, I only saw a handful of people with masks on. Have you noticed whether people are wearing them on their day-to-day activities like shopping? You know, more than usual, Brenda, but I have to say, I probably haven't seen someone in a mask in my last three shoppings. I think the last time I saw someone in a mask was early on in this. Now, this seems like three years ago, uh, but last Saturday at Target, I noticed a couple people in, uh, in the masks. But, you know, yesterday, like I said, a lot different than my previous experience. I noticed people backing off, people giving the space, and maybe I'm just nitpicking, Brenda, uh, but the only thing that bothered me was the literally touching everything on the shelf and then taking it out of your cart and putting it back on the shelf. Uh, but beside that, people were giving space. Uh, Wegmans on McKinley has done a great job of identifying where to stand and not be in someone's personal space. Uh, all good measures taken by local places. 803-0930, so some time for your calls and texts. We're going to head to Lackawanna and uh, talk to Dave in the Steel City. Hey, Dave. How you doing? We're doing okay. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm Personally, the family, we're, we're pretty much homebound. I just wanted to address a few comments of things that are going on that I, my, both my daughters are nurses. So they had this, this, they went through training and they, they actually, they know a lot more about this than I do. But when I go to work at my one company, I pepper my bosses with questions. A lot of people have been laid off. I still have my job because I'm essential on both places in retail also. But um, there's a lot more. Both companies are sorely lacking in a proper education on how to sanitize and keep germs from spreading. Uh, and uh, just from retail alone, uh, I, I realize that Wegmans is probably one of the better places, but I work at a, 
a, a, a smaller retail that's actually pretty large national footprint. I'm not going to name a name. Okay. The store is filthy. We close an hour early to sanitize, and the sanitize routine is not adequate. It's 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 in, it's it's not even intelligent. It's stupid. So I would, I think it's really interesting that New Hampshire just banned the bags that the governor a couple of weeks ago said we need to have. That's very intelligent. Yes, and it's a practical solution. You know, even if it's temporary, at least they're doing something. Well, we you know, a lot of us do that before they put the, the, the plastic bag ban in place. The plastic bags are more sanitary. And for, for New Year's to have done that, I'm wondering how long it's going to take the government to rescind the plastic bag ban. That's point one. Uh, the, uh, the, the store is being sanitized only from the inside, and it's only like 10% of the surfaces. The store handles for the door should be sanitized outside, and people should be sanitized, like sanitizers or washed or inspected for cleanliness before they come into the store. Because what we did last night isn't going to last more than 20 minutes this morning with the new people coming in. It's got to be unnerving and or nerve-wracking for you to work in a place that you consider to be dirty. I'm 58, and I'm, uh, health, I have my own health issues. I am health, um, what is that, uh, immunity compromised. I have high blood pressure and diabetes. So are you taking, I'm sure, absolutely every precaution you can? Yes. Uh, my, my, uh, my daughter, who's in uh, LN, has informed me that if you wear, to do anything, wear, wear a mask. Well, it's got to be what the, the, the N1 mask. She said gloves are absolutely useless. They're useless. They spread more than is it, having... Is it because when you take the gloves off, you touch the gloves, or why are they useless? Exactly. People are not being instructed in the proper use of rubber gloves. You need to have a, a, a professional nurse of an LN or RN degree uh, to properly uh, educate you on how to be more sanitary. Even my, uh, the, the, my full-time job downtown, I told one of the directors of a department, I go, you need to have a full-time registered nurse in here because everybody out on the production floor is wearing masks and gloves, and it's all wrong. You know, Dave, you raised some very interesting points. Uh, try to stay healthy, and thank you so much for, for calling in and giving us your situation, especially with uh, two nurses in the family. It's a unique perspective. Uh, we are just about out of time for this edition of Hardline. Tom Barley will be coming up at 1 o'clock. Somebody points out on the text board, if you have masks, can you donate them to the hospitals? They are running short and need them more than listeners probably do, and uh, that's Good advice. I know Kaleida had a, a call out for masks just recently. And as Mark in Niagara Falls points out, there are no masks to be had. But I saw some homemade masks yesterday at the supermarket. So, Joe Beamer, long distance. Uh, Corey Griswold, thank <laughs> you very a, much. And this was a weird experience yes, uh, across the hall from each other. Here. But I'm sure we'll be doing it again. And uh, look forward to it, Brenda. Thank you. Stay well. And we'll be back with Tom Bowerly from 1 to 4 this afternoon on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.